The Adam Crowley Show. Oh, he went to the bottom. I give up, man. If you're not going to be honest about it, I give. John, Thanks my nipple looks like on. my Bye-bye. nipple looks like my cat, like a like my cat's nipple. <laughs> Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. I don't say this every day. This show today is a big show. A lot on the line here. It's the day before Tom eats a bunch of wasabi for a punishment. It's the day of the Spoonwood Brewing circumstance. Uh, Probably a bad word there, but they're going to be here from 6 o'clock until 7. The guests are tremendous. Big show. Big show. It is the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom, beyond the glass. Hey, there's a lot of good baseball teams out there, you know that? Yeah, one's sitting right here in Pittsburgh. They're playing tonight. The Padres are in town. The Daddies, they're here. I'm not lying. And I think they're going to get the game in. But the Pirates are one of 18 teams right now that I think you could say in Major League Baseball is good today. The Braves are 26-16. and 16. They're over-under coming into the year with 74-and-a-half. Hmm. Outperforming expectations. The Brewers have 26 wins. Their over-under coming into the season was 84-and-a-half. They're on pace to blow past it. The Diamondbacks over-under was 85-and-a-half. And they're on pace to win in the mid-90s. The Phillies have 24 wins, and their over-under was 75.5. They're on pace for 90 wins. How about the Mets? Their over-under was 81. They're above 500. The Angels were projected around 85 wins. They're one of the best teams in the American League. The Mariners were listed at 81.5, and they're on pace to win 90-some-odd games. Here's the point. There are a bunch of teams right now that are playing better than we thought, and a bunch of teams that are playing better than Vegas thought they would. As much as Pirates fans want to get their panties in a bunch, and they do, over the start that they're having, there's still such a long way to go. They're not unique, though, is the point. Some of those teams are playing above their capabilities, yet I'm sure in their given towns here, you know, I don't see how this team could fall off. Of course you don't, because the team's winning right now. It's hard to see the forest through the trees. How about the 2012 Pirates? They were 66-50 and 50 in mid-August, and they found a way to not even finish 500. Did you think that team would fall off a cliff? Hell no! At the time, people were already parading in the streets. The Buckos are going to finish above 500? The Buckos could make the playoffs? Our Buckos? Haven't done it since 1992, those Buckos? And they did fall off that cliff. I'm not trying to spray y'all with a fire hose here, but I do think it might be time for a quick cold shower. Have fun for now. Watch the team play good baseball while you can. If they continue this pace all season long, holy crap, good for them. I'll be just as happy as you are. Some of my greatest all-time memories are at PNC Park. Bobblehead nights with the family, the wild card game in 2013. It was PNC blackout, and, well, I did just that. Pirates won, and I don't remember anything from the seventh inning on. One through seven, though, those innings. Great memories. The Kutch walk-off against the Cardinals when they were in the throngs of a pennant chase. I want the team to win. 
But man, I've been burned many times before. Because when the deadline rolls around, I think they'll be more than likely to subtract than add. I think people who are getting this excited about the club aren't thinking about things analytically, or even if they are, they're blinded by what they're seeing right now. I had Gatchka on yesterday, good dude, friend of the show, friend in real life, and he said that he could see Cervelli keeping this up as long as he's healthy. Two points there. One, he's rarely even played more than 100 games in a season in his career. Two, what has he done in his career that makes you think he can be a 950 OPS guy? I'm higher on Cervelli than a lot of people. Just ask Tom. We debated for long hours in the offseason about how good Cervelli really was. I was always on the side of he's pretty damn good, but he ain't 950 OPS good. He's due to regress. Diaz is a nice second option, but he's not going to hit 383 this season. Dickerson's a good player, but he's been a good player for the last couple of years. He's never put up MVP caliber numbers all year long. He's never done it before. So why should I believe that all of a sudden he got this much better in one offseason? Trevor Williams, the pitcher, good player. I'm happy he's a pirate, but he's not a 272 ERA player. He's in the top 30 in ERA in all of Major League Baseball. He's not that good. Now, they do have depth up and down the lineup. It was going to be a strength coming in. I talked about it a bunch. I thought the Pirates would hover around 500 all year long before at the end of the season kind of falling off a bit. I also thought the pitching would be a concern, and I'm right about that. Nova and Tyon aren't consistent enough. Tyon can still get there, but Nova has never been there. Save for the first half of last season, and we all saw what happened in the second half. Baseball has a funny way of evening things out. Baseball has a funny way of making you, the overachiever, fall back to your averages over the course of a season. Cool's got great stuff. He's going tonight. He's been fine, but he's inconsistent too. What are you going to get from him tonight? Seven, and he's going to strike out eight? Or are you going to get four, and he's going to strike out two? You just don't know. Musgrove stunk in Houston's rotation last year, and they're parading him around like he's the knight in shining armor who's going to save the back end of this rotation. i got to see it to believe it. I'm not just going to rely on the fact that he's pitched well in his rehab assignment. Kingham would fit great, in my opinion, but he doesn't have a major league track record, and he pitched in double-A his last start and did not pitch well. How long is Cervelli going to be hurt for? Is he going to play tonight? How long will Marte be out? Oblique injuries are awful in baseball. It's like if your boat is rusty, it's done. Marte might not be the same player if they rush him back. Will the rotation and bullpen remain healthy all year long? The Pirates have a good team. But because they're a small market team that operates within their own cap, and that's a nice way of putting it, they don't have the depth to handle injuries and stretches of bad performance. Now, many of you will point out, well, 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 they survived with Josh Harrison out of the lineup. Okay, they're eight games above 500. They were one game above 500, 14 and 13 so far without Harrison. What would they be without Marte or Dickerson or Cervelli? If you're only one game above 500, against a lot of bad teams without Josh Harrison? Imagine what you're like without your really good players. There are currently 18 teams that are at or above 500. There are only seven teams that are more than four games under 500. You might think the Pirates are special, but they're not. A lot of teams have gotten hot out of the gates. Again, soak it in while you can. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Now, I'm excited to watch them tonight, in fact. But there's also nothing wrong with mentally preparing yourself for a bad outcome here. It's all we've known since 1992. Lance Lysowski, great Pirates beat writer for DKPittsburghSports.com, will jump on in 13 minutes or so here on the Crowley Show to discuss. How about them Golden Knights? Penguins West. They beat the Jets last night 4-2. to Marc-Andre Fleury made 33 saves and a couple of spectacular ones. In fact, one was reminiscent of his save in Game 7 against Detroit in 2009. But it's what Marc-Andre Fleury did after a whistle that's getting most of the attention today. Winnipeg captain Blake Wheeler was involved in a scrum in front of the net, and Flowers stuck his finger around his ear. If you're unfamiliar, it's like a wet willy, but it was a dry willy. I'd probably prefer the dry willy. It's hilarious, and it sucks when it happens to you. It's definitely not disrespectful the way that licking a dude is, but it's troll level 10. Matt Cook said last year in an interview that when Flurry stopped Ovechkin in 2009, he was hooting and hollering. Woo! Good shot there, Ovi. I haven't really picked a team to root for in the playoffs other than the Penguins. I'm not that kind of fan. Go Indians. But now I'm pulling hard for the Vegas Golden Knights. I've always loved Marc-Andre Fleury, but last night was a reminder of what a great guy he is. Because after the game, he had the father of the Humboldt Broncos, one of the kids, there after the game. Immediately after the game. The guy's wearing the pads. He's still sweaty. Right after a playoff win, and he's got them there. Just a nice dude. A good guy. And Penguins fans have been lucky to have good guys carry the torch for them for really the better part of a decade and a half. Marc-Andre Fleury, great guy. Sidney Crosby, great guy. How's this for a question? Who's a nicer guy? Sidney Crosby or Marc-Andre Fleury? I'll tell you, Flower is nicer, louder. Sidney Crosby showed up at my wife's aunt and uncle's house to give them season tickets like eight or nine years ago. And they said he couldn't have been nicer. And you get some of these things that are publicized. But Sidney Crosby tries to do a lot of those things under the radar. And Marc-Andre Fleury does too, but he's just far more charismatic. So go Golden Knights, baby. And for the first time, I'm probably going to curse them too. I actually think they've got a shot. Winnipeg's a really damn good hockey club. I thought they were going to smoke Vegas. And they haven't. They're down 2-1, to one, in fact. It's anybody's guess who wins the cup now. But they're two wins away, so I think it's about time to start realizing that they're a legitimate contender. Josh Yowie of the Athletics is going to join us at 520 today. He talked to Jim Rutherford about Chris Letang, and here's what Rutherford said. Quote, he's not a guy I'm actively trying to trade from our team. He's been a great player for a long time, and I think he'll continue to be so. But I can't sit here and project an offer that some team could come along and make. I can't project the future. End quote. That sounds like Jim Rutherford will definitely be entertaining trade proposals from teams who are looking to acquire Chris Letang. Benzi, breakfast with Benz in the Trib, wrote a column about this yesterday, saying that it reminds him of the way Colbert dismissed trade talks regarding Martavis Bryant. He's spot on. Martavis and Letang are different players, but it's smart in both situations to hear what the other team might be offering. Martavis generated a third-round pick. He was replaced by James Washington. The third-round pick turned into what might be the next face of the franchise, the next quarterback of the future. Letang, though, has a limited no-trade clause, meaning that he can only be moved to 12 teams. So the Penguins don't have quite as much leverage, not to mention Bryant was cheap, and Letang's going to be paid $7.25 million in each of the next four years. The Pens would need to get a huge return 
in my opinion, to make that deal. Sure, moving him would clear up cap space for significant players to be brought in, but would those players have the upside of what Latang could bring to the table? I don't think so. And that's why I wouldn't do it unless I was totally blown away if I were Jim Rutherford. I just realized how not hot my take was. As I'm giving the take, I realized how not hot it is. Don't trade Latang unless you get blown away with the offer. I just did the classic sports radio thing. I qualified my opinion with another opinion. Anyway, you're not going to get a player back in the trade or in free agency that could net you the kind of player that Chris Letang could potentially be next year. The two years before his injury, he scored 101 points in 112 games. As a defenseman, those are the kind of numbers that get you in Norris contention in today's league. He was a plus 11 over that span. Now, last year, he didn't look like himself. He was a minus 9. He made costly gaff after costly gaff. That carried over into the playoffs. He was bad in Game 5 against the Flyers. He had some awful moments against the Capitals. But... What do the Penguins need above anything else this offseason? Defense. Can they find a better guy in the market than what Chris Letang could potentially bring to the table? No, they couldn't. That's why I would roll the dice one more year with the guy and see if he can return to old form Letang. Tanger, at his best, will still drive you bananas, but he makes enough plays for you to be okay with the occasional mistake. Here's betting that Letang comes back stronger next season after a full offseason of training. And we'll just see what team it is. What I hope to see is that he'll be better next year with the Penguins. Now I guess all that's left is to see whether or not Rutherford gets blown away by an offer. 412-922-2874. I was all set to talk about this 25-year-old dude who snuck back into high school for eight weeks, eight months, pardon me, to play basketball. I thought it was funny. Because imagine going back and playing basketball if you're in peak 25-year-old physical shape. You could dominate that shiz, right? But then I found out that he also dated a 14-year-old, so that became really not funny very quickly. Coming up next, back to the Bucks. Are they alive? Are they going to finish the season as a great team? What's Lance Lysowski think of DKPittsburghSports.com? We'll ask him. It's a Crowley Show. Hi, Tom Bodat. Scientists tell us that Earth is overdue for a huge solar flare. Bad news, it'll probably fry our electronics and technology. Good news, we'll all get a spectacular tan. Well, a good place to hunker down for the looming sunpocalypse is Motel 6. You'll get a great low rate on a great room under a roof and save more for other stuff like sunscreen or a nice big hat. Well, I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Or maybe not. Crowley. Yeah, man. Do you mind if I give you a quick compliment? Whoa. Of course I wouldn't mind. No, you wouldn't? Doesn't happen very often. Uh, I thought that was a really good segment, man. Oh, thanks, dude. I really do. You yeah. know, other, especially like the point when you said that Cervelli is definitely not this good at all, and he's actually trash, and uh, he's not going to be that good. So I like that. Um, oh, Crowley, I love you. With that being said, though, I do You're have so several great, notes. You're you have best. notes? Yeah, I have several crowd. notes. You're the best. Number crowd. one. Pirates play tonight, and I believe that they're going to get this one in. Uh, Weather not too bad. Doesn't look like it's going to thunderstorm. Well, that's not true. It looks like it's going to thunderstorm, but that's just because we live in Pittsburgh. I don't think it is going to thunderstorm, though. And Chad Cool's going to take the mound for your buckos. 
Joining us now to discuss one of our favorites, Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com. Lance, thanks for joining us, man. What's up? Anytime, Adam. Not much. Still waiting on work from Starling Marte's injury. This is one of the worst injuries I think you can suffer as a baseball player, depending on the severity. But when you've got the oblique, that's going to affect your swing. Perhaps he tries to overcompensate. Anything that has to do with swinging the bat could re-aggravate the injury. I think the Pirates have to be really careful here. And I think they will. Uh, they have Monday off before they go to Cincinnati, plus the Padres this weekend. I think they place him on the disabled list. He had a DL stint with the same exact injury in 2012. Missed 19 days, I believe. This isn't something you want to mess around with. And this, with the roster the way it is, Adam, they finally have the depth, to, as well as he was playing, to maybe sustain this for a little bit before the schedule gets really difficult in June. They've got that trip that goes... Chicago, then Arizona, they've got a really tough stretch coming up. And with Sean Rodriguez playing a little bit better the last couple of games, give him some time out there. I just don't see how he avoided the DL stint at this point. Well, a couple of things there, Lance. I do think it's good timing. If you know he's going to get hurt at some point just because it's baseball, it's not a bad time whenever you've got the Padres in town, then you're playing the Reds, and the Cardinals aren't the juggernaut that they've been, you know, three, four years ago. I think that you can get by without him for right now. Uh, I do wonder, though, about Sean Rodriguez's ability long term in center field. Uh, I think the me. defense will be. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I think the defense will be fine. I, I think it's the bat that's the issue. I mean, especially against right-handed pitching, and they don't seem to really trust Adam Frazier at any point because he was a candidate to play some center field too. I, they don't like what he's done at the plate. They're not really letting him face left-handed pitching. So, and with the way that Clint Hurdle is juggling his lineup, I mean, Max Moros batting leadoff tonight. Now, as much as he really doesn't have any experience doing that in the major leagues. Claire Hurdle has to do it because he doesn't want to disrupt what Josh Bell and Corey Dickerson have done so far. I mean, Cervelli's batting third, so this is kind of the first, I think, the first real test of adversity that this team has faced this year. I mean, Sully Martha, he was playing exceptional. His defense was getting better. So, and that's the one position, center field, that we'll see. I, I just, it's going to be interesting to see if they can sustain this. Without a doubt, we're being joined by Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com. I had not seen the lineup before, so Cervelli is going to play. Looks like they dodged a bullet there with, my God, how well he's been playing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Elias Diaz has shown that he can play and start as a catcher, but then you bring up Jacob Stallings, and I think that everybody kind of overlooks the importance of Cervelli behind the plate as a game caller, his relationship with the pitchers. I mean, Nova's pitching tomorrow, so... Cervelli is his guy. Uh, it, they really dodge a bullet here, but they're going to continue to be pretty cautious about how they use him. As much as he's been successful at the plate, now they actually have the opportunity to play a catcher who can hit a little bit, unlike Chris Stewart in years past. I do wonder what your thoughts are on the sustainability of what Cervelli's been doing. He's always been a good player when he's been healthy. Those be the facts, but... He's never been this 950 OPS guy. Uh, he did alter his swing, I believe, correct, uh, to try to give him some more power. Uh, but that alone can't make up for all the uh, all, all the power he's sustained, right? Or I guess maybe. Yeah, I'm amazed. I mean, you saw it in spring training, but it's spring training. Uh, it's Grapefruit League. There have been a m- many players over the years who have done exceptional in Florida and only only to come north and be terrible. But he's continued it for power. I think that, I mean, health is a big factor. He's always going to see pitches. He's always going to be very disciplined at the plate. But, yeah, I mean, the adjustment to the swing, the leg kick that he's adopted with 
the advice with the advice of Sean Rodriguez, they're going to ride as long as they can. I don't know if he can sustain, you know, the 900 plus OPS, but hey, if he can contribute the way he is in the sixth spot, he's going to benefit from hitting behind Corey Dickerson with the type of pitching that he's going to face. Some of the the opportunities and hitting in front of Colin Moran. That's just another example of how their offseason moves for it. Yeah, they're, they lost a potential Cy Young candidate, but. They did build up the bottom part of that lineup to really help guys like Cervelli see better pitches and have more success, obviously. As for the depth of this lineup, Josh Harrison should be getting back in short order here, depending on how things continue to go. Uh, They were able to tread water without him going 14 and 13. I thought that they were going to not miss him that much because I thought Frazier would play better. He didn't. So it's obviously huge to get him back in the lineup, and particularly if Marte's going to be out for an extended period. Yeah, exactly. They haven't gotten almost any production out of the leadoff spot this year. Even when Harrison was playing, he was seeing fewer pitches than usual, uh, wasn't hitting for average, really hadn't hit his stride yet. And, of course, he missed the last final month of last season. So that's a, that's a piece they're missing, and defensively, too. Uh, it's the little nuances that you don't always pick up on. Enough. Harrison's so good at like turning a double play. I think the Pirates, even Neil Huntington kind of said it on Sunday, that you know, they're sort of frustrated with Adam Adam Frazier's development curve. He's not getting on base enough. The at-bats are shorter than they're accustomed to seeing. And I think the fact that, I mean, his splits against lefties were good last year. For him to be sitting again in favor of Max Moroff at the top of the lineup, I think that speaks volumes of where they think he is right now, not only offensively but defensively. Uh, I think that Trevor Williams is a really good pitcher, and the numbers obviously indicate that he is, given the way he's played this year. I don't think he's a 2-7-2 type ERA guy, but I do think that there are reasons to believe he can be a solid middle-of-the-rotation guy for a long time here in Pittsburgh. He's not afraid to attack hitters up in the zone, and even though he doesn't have the velocity, he he really knows how... He's a very cerebral pitcher. That's the one thing that you know Claire Hurl always points out. I think he has the weapons to do it. There are some indicators that make you think his hard hit contact percentage is, is up from last season. But every time you think that, okay, this is going to be the day where Trevor maybe has one of those difficult starts, it just doesn't happen. He's walking more batters. That obviously has to be a cause for concern because that's affecting his pitch efficiency. The outings have been a little bit shorter, but he always kind of finds a way to walk that tightrope and have success. And they really needed that because you look at how Nova's pitch, he hasn't been that good. Tyone's been kind of unpredictable, and Chad Cool's going to be Chad Cool. So Trevor Williams has been the most consistent starter, you know, of this rotation, which has been such, you know, a huge advantage for them after everything they've gone through the last six weeks, especially as you know, in the rotation and even in the bullpen. Yeah, it's been massive. As for Cool, who's going to go for the Pirates tonight? Man, every time he takes them out, I think this guy's—he's just got such a great fastball. I love the stuff. Uh, I saw the Pirates posted this up on a Twitter account. He's got at least five innings in seven of his eight starts. Okay, that doesn't really tell me much. Uh, I'd like to see him work a little bit deeper in the ball game. That's understandable, and, and pitch efficiency, I think, is going to be the, the key for him. And you, you saw what when he's at his best. It's, if you look at his start in Milwaukee about a week and a half ago, wherever it was, you, I lose track of the calendar, Adam. But I mean, he, he had commanded his four-seam fastball. Uh, after the second or third inning, and he was able to throw his breaking pitches for strikes, and his breaking stuff is the best of any pitcher on that staff, I and mean, I, Tyone included. Now, his curveball isn't as good as Tyone's, obviously, because he's only been throwing it for a year, but the changeup, everything he has together, I mean, Francisco Cervelli even said that you know, 
his weapons altogether, some of the best that he's seen as a catcher, which is a pretty strong statement from a guy who caught CC Sabathia and a bunch of other guys in New York. Uh, if he puts it all together, this, he, he could be one of those, you know, I'm not going to call him a top-of-the-rotation starter, but I think we haven't seen the best of Chad Cool if he fulfills his potential, and there's a lot of potential there. I mean, there's a reason why the Pirates are putting him in the rotation, giving him the opportunity. So, it, it, But, again, I agree with you. You just don't know what you're going to get from Chad Cool in night in and night out. Lance, give me a reason to feel good about Joe Musgrove, who was awful last year in the rotation in Houston. See, I think that uh, I, I think at the very least he's going to be a very good uh, late inning reliever. For oh, the for sure, I think stuff, so too. I mean, uh, you, you watch him in spring training. Going back to his first outing against the Yankees, I mean, his stuff is very good. I mean, you know why you could see you know why he had success there. The thing that kind of bothers me is just the fact that he's never started more than fifteen games in a season in his entire professional career. Uh, the, what he did in Houston is, is a very big question mark. My question is how much of a leash as he's going to get, especially with what Nick Kingham has, has done. You can't ignore that. And what they need in the bullpen right now is a shutdown late in reliever. So he's not Garrett Cole. And I think it's kind of unfortunate for not only Joe Musgrove, but Cole Moran. They're always going to be compared to, all right, well, they're, they're not having the type of impact that Garrett Cole is having for Houston. They're going to be good boy baseball players. So I think at the very least, the Pirates found something that is going to be of value to them, whether that's in the rotation or in the bullpen. We'll see. But I think he deserves a chance to the rotation. I mean, given the weapons he has, he could have some success. Nick Kingham did not look great in his start in double-A. A lot of factors go into that. Uh, for starters, him pitching at double-A instead of triple-A, but yeah. he'll get to start on Saturday. Uh, I'm excited about it. I- I've been wanting to see this guy in the rotation for really the long haul. Uh, I don't know if that's in the plans right now, but uh, I'm expecting some pretty big things out of him. I think he's getting back to more of the pitcher he was before Tommy John surgery, which has to be really good news to the Pirates. The velocity is spiked back up. That was kind of the one thing that he struggled with last year, and it's confidence. I mean, when you come back from Tommy John, I mean, he was afraid to, to throw his breaking pitch, especially his changeup, because that's what he tore the, <laughs> tore the ligament on, throwing that exact pitch. And uh, you think you have to be too fine because your velocity is down, but now that he's got all the weapons back, uh, I think that, I know it's only two starts in the major leagues, Adam, but what he did was, was really, really impressive. And you, you throw in that Milwaukee start, too, because that's a very good lineup he faced, and he held his own. He did, and I haven't watched his minor league starts. I, I can't pretend to be that guy, but my eyes told me he was all right up here, so I'm going to stick with that. Lance Lysowski, DK Pittsburgh Sports.com, joining us here on the Crowley Show. Contos, no longer the eighth-inning guy. Uh, bullpen has pitched better, though, uh, over the course of the last really month, uh, why do you think that is? I think it's guys getting more comfortable in the roles. So Edgar Santana came up last year, and you saw signs of, okay, this guy's got the stuff, can he put it all together? Finally, he's, he's put it all together. Uh, I think that he's he's obviously an option for the eighth inning. Michael Feliz, one of the other pitchers they acquired in the Houston trade, averaging 12 strikeouts per nine. Uh, the, the fastball's electric. Uh, he needs to start throwing a slider for strikes. You saw him pitch a scoreless scoreless eighth yesterday, and they found value in, in guys like Richard Rodriguez, a minor league free agent. Guy hasn't intentional, unintentionally walked anybody yet this season, but he has 27 strikeouts, and they got him for almost nothing. Kyle Kirk's been okay. Right? The reliever, obviously, they acquired from the in the McCutcheon trade. Guys have improved. Steven Brault's been good as a reliever. Tyler Glasnow's been Tyler Glasnow, I guess you could say, uh, with some signs of being better. And guys are kind of, you know, 
finding those roles. Now, though, I mean, you got to find an eighth inning guy, right, Adam? Oh, yeah. I, I know that some teams do it by committee. You're even seeing closer by committee from some teams in Major League Baseball, but you want the guy. And for whatever reason, I just keep coming back to the idea that Joe Musgrove should be, oh, Daddy. Should be that guy. Uh, absolutely. Uh, that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, last couple of things here uh, for you, Lance. Uh, there are 18 teams in Major League Baseball right now that are above 500, and there are four others that are within three or four games of 500. So for everyone getting excited about the Pirates, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to help Pittsburgh not get their collective hopes up here. I don't want them to get heartbroken by falling in love with this baseball team and then at the end of the season being let down. Uh, why do you think that the Pirates, though, would have staying power to remain as one of those teams that could be a legit contender? And what are some things that you're thinking of right now that make you go, uh-oh, I could see this costing them down the line? Well, I think the offense is going to be good. I think that that's not going to change as long as they stay healthy. Starling Marte is a much better baseball player now than he was even you know two, three years ago last year. I mean, this is the best he's played in his career. Francisco Cervelli's healthy. Josh Bell's only going to get better, in my opinion. But the pitching isn't good enough for them to, to win that division, in my honest opinion. The Cardinals aren't at their at their best right now. They're They're getting healthier. They're getting guys back. Their bullpen seems to be taking shape a little bit more. The Cubs have been kind of banged up early in this season. Even Anthony Rizzo's been dealing with a back issue. They're going to be much better late in the year. The Pirates have won games they needed to win early. They've taken advantage of teams like the Giants, who were dealing with injuries. Now is the time that they're going to be tested against teams that are much stronger, like the Diamondbacks, like uh, like the Cubs, who are getting you know getting healthy now. And the bullpen, again, I, I still have concerns. I don't think Richard Rodriguez is going to continue doing what he's doing. I don't think Kyle Crick is going to be the pitcher the Pirates want him to be. But you do have Felipe Vasquez, which is a good building block. There are poten- There is potential there. And, again, you don't have really an ace in that rotation because Tyon hasn't proven to be that. Avon Nova hasn't been very good this season so far. And Trevor Williams, you could say, has been their best pitcher, which as much as that's a good story and it's good for Trevor Williams, it's not good for the Pirates that their number four or five starter is, is, has been their best pitcher thus so far. Lance, love the stuff as always, man. Checks in the mail. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Be Always good. Fun. There he goes, Lance Lysowski, DKPittsburghSports.com. Coming up next, we're going to play a little game called Wow, the Pirates Used to Be Really Bad. We're also going to go around the bags and hear from my grandma, jam-packed baseball segment next, Crowley Show. When I say that I'm annoyed by people in the media saying, enjoy the ride with the Pittsburgh Pirates, that doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying the ride. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't enjoy the ride. I think it's a different interpretation of what enjoy the ride means. A lot of people are, quote-unquote, enjoying the ride by pimping their home run trot because they think that they were right about the Pirates being better than everyone else thought they were. That's what I don't like. I don't like the people saying, Enjoy the ride, because this is a really good baseball team that's going to be great all season long. We don't know that. Enjoy the ride. Be happy with what you're seeing right now. But it doesn't need to go further than that. It just doesn't have to yet. Watch what you're watching. Make your opinions. And then we'll see where it goes. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. What Marc-Andre Fleury did to Blake Wheeler's ear was considered 
first base. In high school. Chad Cool goes tonight for the Bucks. He's gone at least five innings in seven of his eight starts. Certainly not the goal, but that tells you he isn't getting blowed up. Cool had a quality start on Saturday against a better Giants lineup. These Padres can't hit the ball. Uh, they just can't. They've scored 164 runs this year. They're one of the worst hitting teams in the sport. Bill Clinton didn't think he could get in trouble if he tried to get to second base with people he worked with. George Contos was removed as the eighth inning guy earlier in the week, and Clint Hurdle says the Pirates will go with a bullpen by committee. That's never really a great sign. They'll go to Vasquez in the ninth. Contos has a 4.58 ERA and has given up runs in three of his last four appearances. If that 25-year-old tried to get to third base with the 14-year-old, that's really bad. Uh, don't be doing that, basketball guy. That's why it's not funny anymore. That 25-year-old. Everyone's talking about this 25-year-old who went back to high school to play basketball, but no one's mentioning the fact that he was dating a 14-year-old. It's not funny anymore. Josh Harrison should be back soon, but the status of Cervelli and Marte are unknown. Both aren't expected to go on the DL now. Cervelli is in the lineup tonight, but Marte could be placed on the DL at some point. And oblique injuries are such a pain for baseball players, they can linger for a long time. Tom is shirtless, and during the break, I'll be heading home for... Oh, no! Going for home. I just did the Ron Burgundy thing. No, I'm an idiot. I said that the Pirates had to go 7-2 and on their stretch against the White Sox, Padres, and Reds. The Pirates are 2-0 and against that group now after the sweep of the Pale Hose. If they can go 5-2 and now against the Padres and the Reds, then they'll sit at 30-19 and going into that long stretch against the NL Central. Win 3 out of 4 against the Daddies. Win 2 out of 3 against the Red Legs. And you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Hi! That'll do it for Around the Bags. It was a classic performance starting at first base. Then Adam eventually made his way over to second, before landing on third, and finally, in classic fashion, going all the way for home. Hey, we'll catch you again tomorrow. Adam wins. Adam wins. I'm so mad that I read that wrong. I'm Adam Crowley? Damn. That's okay. It'll happen. Every now and again. You do a three-hour show, and you forget to write them down, and then... Brian crawls across the studio to make you read it, and then you read it like a jackass. All the work Brian put in there, pulling him behind the curtain. Brian was writing one as I'm doing the bit, and he's he's trying to come over. He doesn't want to ruin my flow. He's trying not to disrupt me, and I'm all excited because I want to read this thing that he wrote. And I hadn't read it before, and I knew it was going to be good, and then I read it too well. That's part of my fault, though, because I did write Heading for Home in there. I Ron Burgundy it, it, though. read it. <laughs> I want to play a little game right now called My God, the Pirates Used to Suck. And we'll get to that in a few moments. But if you look at this Pirates lineup compared to Pirates lineups of years past, you know that they can score runs. And you believe that they will be able to continue to score runs over the course of the season. This ain't 2007 when you've got Chris Duffy and Ronnie Paulino, oh, for the love of God, and Xavier Nady and Jose Castillo in the lineup. 
Uh, as in 2009, my God, the turnover from year to year, where you've got Nate McLeod and Freddie Sanchez. He's pretty good, Freddie Sanchez. Uh, you got Jack Wilson again. It was always Jack Wilson. That tells you how bad of a baseball team you you had when Jack Wilson was always in the opening day lineup and Jack Wilson was the best player on your team. This Pirates team, you feel good about. Harrison, Polanco, Bell, Dickerson, Marte, Cervelli, Moran, Mercer, Nova. If the only player in your lineup that you feel confident is a sure out is Jordy Mercer, you're feeling pretty good. Jordy Mercer is the kind of guy who always starts slow out of the gates and then winds up heating up in the middle portion of the season. It drives me crazy because I always feel like Jordy Mercer could be a really good everyday shortstop, but he's good enough. That lineup is solid, and it compares favorably to the lineups of 2013 and 2014. It's one of the reasons for hope for this Pirates team. We'll reminisce about some of the bad lineups in just a moment, but I want to play a little game called, Hey, Tom, can you name the Pirates opening day lineup from last year? From last year? Last year, 2017. Okay. Uh, Wait a second. Can you do this year's opening day lineup? Would you want to do that one first? Why don't we do the first one? Why don't we do this year's first? You want to do this year's Let's first? This year's okay, first. what do you got for this year? You remember. It was not all that long ago. It was a month and a half. All right, I think easy one, because he was healthy when the season started. Harrison let off. He did not. What? No, it was not Harrison. <laughs> who, who let off? It was Frazier. Frazier? It was Adam Frazier. Okay. Okay, that's a problem. Um, okay, so Harrison batted second then. He did. You nailed that. Okay. Um, third. Marte? Wasn't Marte. Oh, Mar- not even close. Marte didn't bat third? Not even close. Um, was it Cervelli? Was it your boy Cervelli third? Not even close. In fact, you're getting farther away here, Tom. <laughs> um, Polanco. You nailed that. He batted third on opening day? Yeah. Wow. Uh, Marte fourth. <laughs> I told you you weren't even close. What? No. Hey, why you didn't bat fourth? Um, who had a, who had a really good year last year for the long ball? Uh, Bell. Bell back cleanup. You nailed it. Okay. Okay. Then it's Marte five. No. <laughs> Where was Marte batting on opening day? He was batting sixth. Sixth. Yes. Okay. So fifth was Cervelli. Then no. Sixth was Marte. This is gonna turn into a fight. Jesus. I mean, you're supposed to be. Per- you're a producer. Okay. This is the baseball team in this town. You can't even name the opening day lineup. Okay. Let me let me walk you through it. You had Frazier, yes. Harrison, Polanco, Bell. Then you had Marte sixth. This we know right now. You don't know who is batting fifth yet. And it's not Cervelli. Correct. It wouldn't be Mercer. Duh. It's Dickerson. Yeah. It's Dickerson. All right, Dickerson fifth. Man, you nailed that. You're that really good puts, at this. Yeah. We got six is Marte. That puts obviously Moran at seven. No. Then, <laughs> they didn't know what Moran could do coming into the year. He batted ninth. He did not bat ninth. <laughs> Okay, so Cervelli seven. Yes. Moran eight. Correct. Mercer nine. You nailed it. Yes. You're really wow, good at that. Nice, Tom. You're really good at that, man. I wonder if people at home knew before you knew. They know now. I Thanks knew it. to me. I knew it. It is funny to look back at some of these old Pirates lineups, though, and sometimes teams get lucky and they don't they don't play that well. Like the Steelers were eight and eight for a couple of years in the early 2010s, and I thought, okay, bounce here, bounce there, they could be ten and six. They're a playoff team. I don't think a team with Jose Tabata, Lyle Overbay, Ronnie Cedeno, and Kevin Correa had a damn shot. Kevin Correa was the opening day starter in 2011. 
Tom, you could go up there and you could throw the ball just to tick off what Kevin Correa could throw. And he was up there throwing 84 mile an hour meatballs. Eric Bedard was the starting pitcher to start the season in 2012. Now, I realize Nova was this year. He's not the best pitcher on the team. Really, they just wanted Ty on the pitch opening day. So, it would be Ty. You feel okay about that. You're fine. I'm starting to believe more in this Pirates team just by looking back into the past. I mean, Chris Duffy in back-to-back years as your starting center fielder, they sent him down to AAA at one point, and he didn't report. That's not the kind of guy you want. Not at all. Remember when Raul Mondesi just left the team? He just left the team. 2004, he's like, I'm not playing anymore. He played like seven games. He's like, I'm done. Tyke Redman, Randall Simon, Bobby Hill, Chris Steins, they sucked. At least the Pirates have the nucleus of what is a good baseball team. They were never going to be as bad as some of those teams. Put some faith in that. Let's give my grandma a call. She's got to be pretty fired up about the way the Pirates are playing right now. Yeah, you got to be amped up. Hello? Grandma! Hello, Adam. How are you? I'm good. How'd you know it was me? I recognize your voice. I recognize your voice. How about them buckos? Oh, my gosh. They're drawn terrific. Uh, I did... I heard the game was early yesterday, but I didn't know know it was that early. And when the stories went on, I tried to get them on. I thought, well, they come on at one thirty or 2 o'clock. It would be pregame. And here was some guy talking about all kind of sports. And I thought, I can't find them anywhere. They were supposed to be. I don't think they got rained out. And I laid down, and Jackie called, and she's on going from one place to another. And I said, hey, Jackie, uh, I thought the Pirates were supposed to be on. She said, Mom, I'm coming to a stoplight. I'll look it up for you. She said, oh, it's over. She said, it, they won three to two. I said, well, what time were they on? She said, oh, I think they were on about 12 or 12.30. Well, that's when the stories come on. So I didn't think they were going to be on that early. Early. So then I heard, she told me they won three to two. I thought, oh my God, how, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And they said, we're in first place. And we play tonight at 7.05. So now I'm laying down the rest of my eyes so I can watch a game tonight. See, now that's dedication, Grandma. I can't believe that they're playing as well as they are. I really can't. I didn't think they were going to be this good. And you told me early in the season that they were going to get better as the year went on, and they have. They have. They're young, and they really care for one another. They go out and they eat together. They're like a family. They care for one another, and they help one another, and they're good. And like I say, they're going to get better. And how about Savelli, my boy? He got hurt the other day. I think he's going to be okay, though, but we're not yeah, sure I yet. Yeah, I think he just... I think he... Uh, he uh, nicked his elbow a little bit. If it was his finger, pitching finger, he'd be out longer. But I, I think they said he's going to be okay. Harrison should be back soon, too. Yeah, I thought they said the other day that they were going to uh, uh, 
they think they're going to check him out. They think he's, he wasn't supposed to come back until June the 2nd or something, and they said, I think he'll be back a lot sooner because he's uh, getting better. Yeah, they had him down for a rehab assignment. He should be back soon. Grandma, I love you, lady. You be good, okay? We'll talk to you soon. I love you, too, Adam. Thanks for calling. You be good. I will. Bye-bye. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. What a woman. She hung up on me. Coming up next, enough ball talk for a little while. Should the Penguins trade Latang? Are they considering trading Latang? Josh Yowie from The Athletic will join us at 520. He wrote about it, but I'll give my thoughts next. It's the Crowley Show. Tom is shirtless, and during the break, I'll be heading home for... Oh, no! Going for home. I just did the Ron Burgundy thing. Well, that's going to do it for all of us here at Channel 4 News. You stay classy, San Diego. I'm Ron Burgundy? Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read.